expressed on the following broadcasts do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome, Exploring Solutions for Life Today, a presentation of Take 12 Recovery Radio. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. Welcome aboard to Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life. Today? That's right. Not yesterday. Yesterday's gone. Today? Today's here. There you go. Welcome aboard to yesterday, everybody. Welcome to the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show's presentation of this broadcast with uh, uh, Certified Alcohol and Drug Counselor delivered to, to Mr. Dave Fleming, or better known as VID. VID. <laughs> The vid. <laughs> the vid, the vid, the, the vid. Uh, so the topic, uh, the, the topic on this episode is preference or conviction. And man, my head was just spinning with this yesterday and and today, and some of the the comments that were made. Um, you know, you know, sometimes if you think too long, things become so overloaded, like your brain just wants to explode. And I, and right. I, you know, I mean, I was thinking of this in the shower. I was thinking of it when I was putting on my shoes. I was thinking of it when I was drinking my bang energy drink. Preference or conviction. So this is, this is kind of a, well, we're just going to talk about it here in a few minutes. We'll see where it goes. Um, yeah. So so there we go. And uh, I think we got something coming up here, though, before we do that. Right? Don't we? Oh, yeah. What time is it? There's the ticking of the clock. What time is it? What time is it? Yeah. Oh, it's time for Dave and Monty's Icebreaker. That's right. We like to... We like to vent and, and break things around here. That's right. I'm just so irritated today. I think I'm just gonna break some stuff. Break some ice. Did you ever? Did you ever get mad? And Good thing some... it fell into my cup this morning. Yeah, you got you got a cup of ice yeah. with your bang sourhead energy drink, the healthy energy drink. Sourheads. Uh, sourheads. Not yeah. Sourheads. Yeah. Kind of yeah. tastes like a kind of a appley. Yeah, apple. It doesn't have all that junk in it that the other drinks put in there, and they make you feel like you're gacking. There's no crash with these. There's uh, like it's 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 equivalent to uh, pounding, you know, like three cups of coffee. But other than that, uh, I think it's a little more than that. Well, no, actually, it's 300 milligrams, yeah, and I, the average cup of coffee is 150. The average cup. Of coffee I is looked it up. 80. Well. Depending on how big your cup of coffee is. <laughs> For an eight ounce. Oh, no. Cup of I would coffee. never drink an eight ounce cup of coffee. Right. 
that's like. Can, can I read this? Yeah, you can read it. Yes. Okay. It says here, make no mistake. <laughs> bang is not your stereotypical high sugar, life-sucking soda masquerading as an energy drink. High sugar drinks spike blood sugar, producing metabolic mayhem, causing you to crash harder than a test dummy into a brick wall. Bam! (laughs) (laughs) It says, power up at banks, potent brain and body rocking fuel, creatine, caffeine, cucutin, and brain chain, um, branched chain amino acids. Amino acids, yeah. Life is an extreme sport, and bang is the extreme energy source to live life extreme. There you go. There you go. And the Pepsi-Cola company just purchased them, from what I understand. So be looking for the price to go up any day. (laughs) And if you guys want to become a sponsor of Take 12 Radio. Yeah, bang, we would appreciate it. These are the guys that make red, red, uh, red something. See? See what it's done? The CoQ10 and all the... uh, Red sky at night. Amino acids have caused me to lose my memory. (laughs) Well, so... You're not thinking Red Bull, are you? No, 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 no. Red Zone or Red red Bluff or Redding, California. I don't know. (laughs) Squirrel. Oh, my gosh. All right, so the icebreaker. Dave, I got a house for you, buddy. You've been looking for a house, I'll take... Anything. I've got the Literally. house for you. It's a house named Brady, Dave. Have you heard about this? Uh, no. Well, the the iconic house that belonged to the Brady Bunch is now on the market, and buyers that want to own a bit of nostalgia can purchase it, Dave. You, too, can purchase it. Yeah, no. For $1.885 million. <laughs> yeah, No. <laughs> the three bedroom, two bathroom home, three bedroom, two bath for $1.885 million. Three bedroom, two bath, really? Uh, in the Studio City neighborhood is located along the Los Angeles River. That's realistically not a very bad price for that area. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. It was used in the, well, see, this is the reason I think it's too high. It was used in the opening and closing shots of the classic sitcom which ran from 1969 to 74. The rest of the Brady Bunch was filmed in a Los Angeles studio. So the the blended family really didn't actually live there. I mean, they didn't even film inside the house. It was just the front of it. Yeah. So take a picture of the front of your house. It may be worth a million someday. Yeah, and can you? I mean, <laughs> that price is probably pretty realistic. Could you? Could you imagine? Well, that? Studio I mean, City. I, yeah. I don't know how many people still are like fanatics about right. the Brady Bunch, but right. I would imagine for for a period of time, you had people like driving by your house. Oh, I'm sure. Stopping in front of the house, taking sure. pictures. Well, Studio City is probably on the tour. Right. I mean, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, it's asking price uh, of $1.85 million represents a big windfall for the current owners who bought the property for 61000 Yeah, back in Woo! probably in That was in 1973. Okay. They bought it. Um, yeah, that uh, that means this is the first time the house will be uh, have changed hands since the Brady Bunch was still in the heyday of the Brady Bunch. So $63,000 or $61,000. 
and now you're selling it for 1.8. Not not bad. Yeah. Pretty good profit. Try try making that kind of money selling Amway, you well, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, and how long did you have to sit on it? But yeah, yeah. You, there's. Yeah. I mean, my grandparents' house in San Bruno, California. Right. I think uh, the uh, her before they got married, uh, Walter paid something like you know probably twelve thousand dollars for a right three bedroom. It was a three bedroom, one bath, um, and, hmm. and a nice neighborhood. I think they ended up selling it for. Probably half a million. Yeah, and I think you're right, though. Really, at one point, eighty-five million probably, probably is comparatively speaking, probably is low compared to some of the homes in the, in that area. I'm thinking because some of them are, biz- well, they're just bizarre. You know, um, it's too much for my blood, though. You want to move there, Dave? No, There's a house for I, you. I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking twenty five grand, right? <laughs> right. That's that's good luck. That's that's in my uh, it's that, house, that's yeah. in my affordability. It'll get me a, a piece of land and go build a house. Yeah. Well, here's a couple sticks. You know, that's and, all I need. That's all you need. All I need is a an acre and a, and a, a sleeping bag. Sticks. <laughs> I mean, I got a truck. I can get a. I can get an outhouse. Right. You know, I am really, I'm really jealous of my my buddy uh, Dennis Buchanan. He he uh, he worked up in Yosemite National Park when I was up there, and actually, he's one of the people that commented on this on this topic. Um, I think he's still up there and lives in the park. And I mean, I, I got to tell you, that was as far as places to live goes goes. That was my favorite place. I was there for three years. Had a little tiny cabin about the size of this audio booth, actually. Mm. And looked out my back window and could see Yosemite Falls every single morning. Now that is a piece of real estate, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been speaking of Yosemite. I've been watching this. Uh, the fire? No, I've been watching this uh, uh, series. I think it's on the. It, there's a free thing on on cable right this month from the Paramount Network, and there's a show called Yosemite. Oh, is there with Kevin Cosner? He's a he's a rancher. He's probably got you know. Thousands and thousands of acres. Wow! And it's it's all about the the life of being a rancher, and then having to deal with um, and the struggles that the uh, the Indians go through on the reservation, and just progress and all kinds of different through, things through the eyes of Yosemite National Park and well, all that. Or no, I just I think the and maybe part of his land is on on that, okay. but he, that's the name of the ranch is Yosemite. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that's an interesting story. That the whole thing around with Teddy Roosevelt and John Muir and the battle that went on with the Hetch Hetchy up there, and um, yeah, it's there's a lot of history. There's a lot of history up there. Well, anyway, there's our icebreaker for this week. Uh, house for sale. All right, we'll be back right after this. Hey there, did you know that right now the state of Oregon ranks near the bottom in terms of adult and adolescent access to treatment and recovery services? 
Well, as an Oregonian, I find that simply unacceptable. But this can change, and you can be a part of that change by joining Oregon Recovers, a statewide network of individuals and organizations working together to transform Oregon's capacity to provide world-class treatment and support for Oregonians suffering from addiction to drugs and alcohol. Won't you visit our website today at www.oregonrecovers.org. That's oregonrecovers.org. Hi, this is Amanda Broadway, and in Florida, we listen to Take12Radio.com. Welcome back to Entitled to Overcome. Solutions for Life Today with Dave Fleming. Sitting here, smiling, with that big grin from ear to ear, wearing his hat that came from the island of Maui. You're kind of a Maui head today. (laughs) (laughs) The topic is preference or conviction. And so we posed the question on social media, uh, preference or conviction, which one do you follow? And uh, I'm done with convictions. (laughs) I'm done with convictions. I'm done. Uh, So... Speaking of Dennis Buchanan, I, I, I thought my friend from Yosemite, um, I thought his statement was very interesting. And it, it uh, I, I understand what he's saying. I don't know that I agree, but I get his perception here. He said, wow, conviction implies non-acceptance of new information, while preference implies comfort, like not raining. And we need the rain, whatever I'm personally doing. I'm not sure what that meant, but his statement of conviction implies non-acceptance of the information while preference implies comfort. Um, you know, he may, he may have a point there to a certain degree. He didn't really say which one he prefers if one over the other. Um, but, but does conviction imply non-acceptance of new information? Maybe, depending on what your conviction is. Uh, so I want to return to that statement here in a few minutes. So, but you got something that you actually were inspired by for this topic that you had. Yeah, it was one of those things where I, I, I thought I was trying to like think of something or just, you know, feel the, the, the spirit move me in a direction for this week. And I, and I got like nothing <laughs> until like the last, the last minute. And right. I just, I ran across this and I thought, yeah, well, let's, let's throw something out there to get, get the, the blood pumping in the people's brain. Yeah. It's, so I'm it's just going to really read a couple of yeah uh, sections out of this. It says um, preference or conviction. Several years ago, I heard a fantastic sermon by Charles Stanley. I, it brought to light a very important question. Am I a person of preference or conviction? Preference means that if I find myself in a situation that could be inconvenient or difficult, I would choose or look for a way out, basically saying I prefer to do something else, so I will. This may be safe, but it isn't always right. Conviction, on the other hand, says if I'm in a situation, no matter what the consequences, I must follow God's direction. Hmm. <clears throat> uh, and it goes goes on to tell a little bit about the, the story, story of, of Daniel. Daniel yeah. 
Uh, And then it says, taking a stand based on conviction may not always be easy, but its rewards are worth the effort. It is the right choice to make. This is one of those things that, you know, you got to look at the The context of it. The context and the situation because it doesn't, you know, don't don't apologize to every situation. Sure, sure. Um. Yeah, so there's, I think it's interesting because preference, uh, I think, keeps us stuck uh, in our uh, life-controlling behaviors. Yeah, so when we're talking, particularly when we're talking about people in recovery or who perhaps should be, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, preference can, can be damaging. I prefer to do things my way. Right. Right. That's a polite way like of those saying steps are like cool. <laughs> you know, I can, you know, for some people, they don't, some people, some people that, you know, might need to follow those, you know, all that stuff. I said, I could, you know, I could take this one and that one. And, and yeah, I prefer maybe one through three, right. but after that, I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah. Meetings. I don't need that stuff. I don't yeah. need it. Someone else. I don't need to get a sponsor and have them tell me what to do. Right. Just me and Jesus, man. I don't need no sponsor. I haven't, I haven't needed anybody else my entire life up right. to this point. Why would I need all that? Right. <laughs> That's my preference. <laughs> well, we know how I well that. I prefer tequila over vodka now. Right. Right. Or I, you know, I realize I have a problem with hard liquor, so I prefer just to drink beer I just, a I, lot. Well, you know, now that, it's a, now that I'm in Oregon and, and, and marijuana is legal, I prefer to smoke marijuana. Yeah, I have a really good friend who won't touch a drop of booze because mm. he's a raging alcoholic. I mean, he really is, and he hasn't had a drink in years. And he—it's just—it's horrible what happens when he drinks. Yeah, right. But he want to talk about smoking him if he got him. Well, he got him all the time. The guy—I don't think he's been not stoned since I've known him. You know, so that's his preference. And how's that working out for him? Well, it it, it it's he seems to be functioning rather in a relaxed mode <laughs> most of the time. That's not saying a whole lot. <laughs> it was interesting because this came up because I was watching or kind of watching. I was doing, I was working, and then in the background was live PD. Oh, live PD! Yeah. And they had got this guy. Uh, that was like stoned out of his mind. Right. And he was arguing with the officer about being arrested while mm-hmm. driving while intoxicated. Right. Well, right. you know, he, his, he was arguing about how, you know, he, he thought that le- marijuana was legal. Oh, so right? that way he could drive? Says, well, the legal. Says, well, not in this state. Yeah. Uh, and, but you know, besides you're not. It's, you're not you can't be, be driving. Impaired. Yeah, right. And he was trying to make this, you know. Coherent argument, but he had, there was no way he could be coherent. Right, he was so stoned, he couldn't even stand up. Uh, Poor guy, perfectly, and it was just it was yeah, it was just made a fool out of himself. Right, right. So, so you know, going back to what what, what Dennis said, um, conviction applies non acceptance of new information. You know, that that's kind of to me that's. The, I, I can agree with that with certain things I have conviction about. I have a conviction 
that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. Um, that is not just a conviction. That's also in the Word of God. But my personal conviction about that is not open for new information. It isn't. So in that, he's right. I have no desire. Um, I'm not open-minded about any other kind of concept about coming to God other than through Christ. Absolutely closed off to any other idea about that. You bet I am. Well, in uh, to me, you know, what, what pops into my head is like, okay, but if you study the word, right, and you interpret some things incorrectly, sure, are you will are you willing to be open to listening to a redirection? Yes, if you're wrong, so you actually have to be open to new information. Yeah, because you can't just keep I get spewing that. out bad doctrine if you your interpretation is wrong. I totally get that. But my interpretation of that particular verse is not wrong. <laughs> Which verse is that? Um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I think that's pretty, that spells it out pretty, you know, one plus one right. equals two. But there. there's, there's a few passages that, you know, well, quite a few that people misinterpret. Sure. Well, if it says partake of the cup in the Old Testament, that, you know, th that doesn't mean that you eat the glass you're drinking from. <laughs> Some people might think so, especially if it's an edible. Oh, okay. So I understand. I under, I understand that. Right. Um, but, but but my point, I think there's some truth to what Dennis is saying here. Yeah. Strong convictions can mean that you're dogmatic about what you believe, <laughs> and that that can be good, but that also can be harmful because if you're not open minded to new information, you may not grow. You may not mature spiritually. Sure. The way I feel, the truth be known, the way I feel about God in my life today is not the same as I did back in 1983. Mm -hmm. um, so so that's good. Uh, preference implies comfort. Yeah. I prefer, you know, my big red chair in the living room well, yeah, over you're the other chair. preferring the... More comfortable situation. No, I prefer to have my eyes gouged out <laughs> and sleep on a bed of nails. Right. Um, Erica says conviction is not always easy, but in the end, it's always worth it. I think in the context of the article that you wrote, I think I think she gets it. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I'm thinking about there's Daniel in the lion's den. There's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They these three guys had a conviction that they were not going to worship any other god but but Yahweh they weren't going to do it and he and when and when, when Nebuchadnezzar threatened to throw him in the fiery furnace they said our god will deliver us but even if he doesn't we won't bow down to you now that's a heavy conviction right because i mean that that implies that maybe the the God's plan is for you not to be taken out of that. Exactly. And right. it and that's exactly what happened. And so they, he did throw him in the fiery furnace. Mm -hmm. And then guess who shows up in there with him? 
God does. And they come out of there and they're not even smelling like smoke. Right. Because they, they, they stuck to their convictions and it paid off. Well, and it's uh, – and I would have to say for me now, uh, similar thought processes with the, with the 12 steps. Okay. Explain. I, I used to – you know, I used to be one of those ones, yeah, you know, because I really wasn't going to ever admit that I was powerless over anything. So uh, it was like, well, that one's off the table. So right? step one's gone, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> and, I be- and I'm a spiritual person, and I, you know, and I believe in that, but I'm not sure what, you know, if I believe in that God, mm-hmm. right? Right. So, was, you know, there's that. And, and sure. tur- turning my will o- in my life over, well... You know, uh, ter- when I've ever done that before, turn my will over to something outside of myself. It hasn't paid off very well. Right. People let me down, blah, 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 blah. So that one doesn't really work too well. Right. And I'm not going to, you know, uh, I'm not going to go admit anything. Yeah, I'm not going to air my laundry to anybody it's else. Not, it's none of your business, yeah. right? So, you know. The steps are just kind of going out the it's, window. and It's one of those, <laughs> right. It's like, you know, I, you know, I'll just, I'll just uh, cut back on the drinking or using the yeah. other drugs, you know, uh, and whatever. But you know, come to find out that once I applied the uh, the roadmap, yeah, you know, the twelve steps, is, and if I looked at it from a new perspective, right, um, being open to new information, I that's when I changed. When I said, okay, I'm going to give this. Just try because I've tried it every other way and hasn't worked. <clears throat> and you know, once I did that, everything everything fell into place and it worked. You know, and that I also had the the basis I had a, you know, a Christian or a, a spiritual based model sure to underlying all that. Um so and I know that that it works. Right. And yeah. so um, that's that's one of my convictions like this. If you do this to the best of your ability, your life will change. Yeah, and that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I, I, I have can't never change seen that. OK, there is no uh, there no I'm not you can't be open to anything new. I mean, you can't. That's part of the why the the, the rooms have there's been problems is because in the 12 step rooms. Yeah. People have uh, said, okay, well we want to change things or reword it, or this is our interpretation. We want to compromise. It's not, it doesn't work. Right. It just muddies the waters and you have to stick to, stick to it. It's like, you know, the, you know, the commandments in the Bible, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can figure out any way you want to try to get around them, but Bottom line is, is that they are what they are, yeah. and that's and the, yeah. So so, not not being having a strong conviction about something isn't necessarily being closed off to new ideas. I mean, it can be. So Dennis is right about that. It can be. Yeah. But but I have very strong like you, and and based based on my experience, which nobody can argue with. Based on my experience, I have never seen in the 30 plus years I've been doing this recovery thing, I have never seen somebody who applied and implemented the 12-step process in their life 
and follow the, the directions properly, I've never seen somebody's life not improve. Now, I've seen people that cherry-picked, and it didn't work. Right. But people that actually did the process the way it's laid out, I've always seen their life improve. Not get perfect, right. but improve. I've never – and I've I've sponsored a lot of people, and I've met hundreds and hundreds of folks. And it, it's my experience. I've never seen that. So, so you know – you know, I you know, there's a thing going around in AA that said that that Bill W said that he would, uh, if he was going to change anything, he'd have, he'd have put uh, instead of rarely have we seen a person fail, thirdly follow these steps, he would have put never. Well, actually, that's not true. He never said that. That that was just a rumor. But my experience has been no, I have never seen somebody fail at this that did it the way it was right. laid out. Um, my, I would prefer that everybody did that, but. They're they're not going to. Um, yeah, I mean, people will argue with you and say that there's there's people that can get sober and stay sober by not doing anything except just determining not to. Yeah, yeah. My question is: is what's their quality of life? Because if you don't have anything to help better yourself, better your life, a better your you know your your inner spirit. Um, how good can your quality of life be? Sure. I mean, I, I, I had a. You may be dry, but <laughs> I had a, I had a, a, a mentor of mine. He, he, uh, I met him when I was doing aftercare. Uh, it was my first aftercare, uh, and <clears throat> we uh, we connected later on, a few years later, and and we became friends. And I was, used to go to this meeting with him. We hung out, and he told me that um, about a year into his sobriety, uh, his wife told him, <laughs> she said, you need to either uh, start drinking again or go back to treatment <laughs> because you are a lot easier to deal with right. when you're drinking. So being a year sober, he went back to treatment, and uh, he got he got a new you know adjustment. Yeah, and uh, came back out and and put things to you know back on track. Right. It it's one of those things where if you don't if you don't use the tools to change your life, you're just going to be a sober sob. Sure, sure. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of people that can put down the bottle. And that's all that's they the do. easy part. Sure. Yeah. There's a lot of people who do that. Anybody can do that. If you're just dealing with the symptom, that is not necessarily the hardest piece. And that's just the symptom. So all the underlying stuff's still going on. Now you don't have your friend, Mr. Jack Daniels. Now how so Mike if if I hadn't changed my life spiritually and and, and my gut and my and my convictions and my preferences. I would be dealing with life on God's terms in in a way that we'd be very, very uncomfortable. Talking about preferences and comfort. Holy crud. Now I don't have any way to medicate that, right? right? And I'm trying to deal with all this stuff without dealing with all this stuff, and I'm a miserable guy. So what's going to happen, because I, cause I'll, I will return to what I know best, and what usually happens is 
re-enter whatever substance it is that you are using to medicate. Yeah, or behavior. Yeah. Gambling, sex. Um, Jed F. said, I used to go with, with the flow, kind of a preference. However, there comes a time when certain things require the backbone of conviction. Something I picked up in recovery was a set a ball's bigger than the Liberty Bell. It's one of uh, one of the side effects of sobriety. True. Uh, you have to gain a spine to say no to things that you don't want in your life. And I think that spine he's talking about is that conviction. You know. Um, I have a conviction about going certain places by myself. I will not go there. I just won't. Well, haven't I'm you? Sure, been- that's not a preference? No, because I it's not open for discussion. It, it you know for I'll give you I'll give you an example. Giving females a ride without having somebody else with me. They want to ride to a meeting. They need a ride to the grocery store. So I do not go with members of the opposite sex by myself without somebody else with me. I don't do that. Now is that a preference? Yeah. Is it a conviction as well? Yeah. So can it be both? Don't you think it can? Sure. And I won't do that because I'm a married man and I know what people do and what people say. And I don't want that in my life. Right. So I, I have, I am not, oh, that's not open for discussion for, with me. Lance says conviction empowers. So having convictions is a preference, though, isn't it? Kind of answering my own question, or your own question there. Because one guy says, uh, uh, my conviction or my preference is conviction, or I live by conviction. That's my preference. That was Bobby Z. <laughs> my conviction is my addiction. My addiction is my conviction. I prefer to have sugar free French vanilla creamer in my coffee. But will I drink coffee black? Yeah. So is that a compromise? Do you put sugar in it? No. Where are you going with that? Do you put sugar substitute in it? When I put like French stevia? No. When I put if French, you only have black coffee. If if the all I have is black coffee and there's no stevia around or anything like that, I'll still drink it. Okay. You know why? Because. My you're, preference you're is that addict. I want the caffeine. You're I don't care if it tastes horrible. <laughs> it's the same, the same thought behind drinking tequila. I hate tequila. <clears throat> oh, I love tequila. But look at, you know, back in the day, if it, if it would make me high, I'd eat a cue ball and a handful of sand. Uh, you know, going to any length, right, Dave? Yeah, we won't, we won't get high, but probably make you sicker than a dog. So it'll take your mind <laughs> off your problems for a minute. Um, Robert Yell says conviction is related to belief. It is what helps to define you. It is what leads you. If you don't follow your convictions, then they really aren't convictions. Ooh, that that rings true. Well, my conviction is this. How well do you walk by that? Well, not too good. Hmm. Maybe you're not that convicted by it. I don't know. It's a really interesting topic, Dave. Yeah. 
So what about you, man? What what are some of your preferences over convictions or vice versa? My con- well, I just told you. Yeah. Give me another Steps. one. Uh, my I I have a, a have the same conviction about, you know, uh transporting people of the opposite sex. Right. My pastor taught me that a long time ago, and when uh, me and my wife got back together, um, I had to make sure that if anybody called me for a ride to a meeting, I, I refer that was a female. I had to refer them to mm. somebody else. Sure. I mean, my I, you know I'm pretty uh, uh, pretty strong worth work ethic, and that's you know. It isn't. You don't work, you don't eat, right? What's that? You don't work, you don't eat. That's in the, in the That's, good books. I, I mean, I guess. Well, I don't know. There's a lot of people that aren't working that are eating just fine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what do you? What, what is? What's the correlation? You work, you earn money, so you buy food. You could also trade services for true, food. True. You could volunteer. Uh, Fred W said in his book. I guess he, he's an author. Um, Conviction always leads to action. Anytime you see the word convinced, root, the root word conviction in the big book, it always precedes action. That's a good point. Meaning mental state of being convinced or fully persuaded is from 1990 or 1690s that uh, that a film, a firm belief, a belief held as proven is from 1841. In a religious sense, a state of being convinced one has acted in opposition to consequence, admonition of consequence from 19, the 1670s. Um, so these are def- different definitions he's pulled out. But he's right. In the big book, um, conviction or convince is preceded by action. You know, there's those places that say, being convinced, we were now at step four. And then it talks about what you do. So if you have a strong conviction about something, it's usually preceded by something that backs it up, right? not just an opinion. So I'm thinking that maybe opinions and convictions can be different, right? Yeah, but how many people do you know that get stuck at the fourth step and don't? Oh, tons. Don't ever move any farther. Tons. We lose people at, at four and nine more than any other. Four, huge. huge. And I, I think that's just part of... It's lack of uh, teaching and training, I think, right. and understanding. Lack of sponsorship, la- lack of mentors to actually take you through it. Mm, well, that's probably part of it, but you actually have to ask for help too, you know. Right. Uh, sometimes that's, that's, a, that's a harder, you know, I can get a sponsor, but if I'm not, you know, willing to step out... Do do you think that that um, the lack of conviction to follow through with the fourth step has to do with now we're moving from just having a chat, maybe saying a prayer or two, to now we're actually putting pen to paper? And number one, there's work involved now. Number two, we're starting to uncover some of the things about ourselves that are very uncomfortable. And once we start that, because most people that I've sponsored – that that step four that's got hung up on step four, they did start it, and then they put the brakes on. Right. They didn't say, no, I'm just not going to go any further. They did start it, and it was either very painful, 
some things started to come out they didn't want to deal with yet, and so they just kind of abandoned the process. Right. You can't do that. No. It's uh. I don't know it's the you know the first few steps you know you're 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 just you know coming to to believe you're having a decision you know make you know you're making a decision I'm deciding to do something you're not actually doing anything until you get to step four right 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 uh and i and and I get that I remember very clearly about doing the fourth step mm-hmm. uh i i very uh you know, you know, very intentionally left out a few things. Um, and when I did my fifth step, I did the same thing. I left, I left them out. I didn't talk about them. So <clears throat> that always was like this, you know, dark cloud. Yeah. You know, it's like you're still keeping secrets. You know, you're only sick as your secrets. And if when I got to the process where I was, you know, I had my spiritual experience and my life has changed and I'm really to, now I'm willing to do the work. When I actually do it, I found that it wasn't as scary as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if when I just did it um, and let it go or even just do the process, it's like write it all down and then talk about it. Step five, talk about it. You know, I did it with a pastor. Um, and that was like, wow, <laughs> I, I, I made a big deal about that for what? For nothing, really. Sure. You know, I everything that I could think of that I could I could remember at that particular time, um, I did it. And then later on, after I had got out of treatment and I was uh, doing the deal, a couple things popped back into my head. Uh, and one of them was the thing that I didn't talk about the first time. So what I did is I basically just did a 10th step. I got with I was taking a class at church, and so I got with the pastor that was teaching that class, and then my other pastor uh, that I work with more on a regular basis at the church, uh, and I did a little mini, you know, a little mini or did a ten step, but I did it with someone else. Yeah. So it kind of covered like a fourth and fifth and whatever you want to call it. Right. Um. Uh. And I but I did it right away. I didn't I didn't put it off and wait. And I didn't go back and do another fourth step. There wasn't any reason to, you know. And so, um, that was that was so freeing in itself because now uh, I can, you know, I can have my conviction of about doing this process to the best of my ability um, without any fear. Because n- nothing happened. The world didn't fall apart. You know, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Lo- I didn't lose everything. You know. Um, People didn't look at me any differently. People didn't hate me. And in fact, I'm still, you know, uh, the person that was teaching that class, she had moved into different ministries and kind of went on her own and did her own business. And we're still friends today. And we, 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 we still connect together. It isn't like, you know, they go back and they say, oh, yeah, oh, there's Dave. And he oh did this. And you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's done. It's there. The per- people that I did it with are not they're to judge. They don't even care. It was just more for me to, to do that process, to get it up, get it into the light. Sure. So it lost its power over me. Sure. You know? So now, I mean, that's, that, that just, uh, solidified my conviction about the 12 steps and incorporating that with, with the word. Mm-hmm. So I use the life recovery Bible because mm-hmm. it incorporates the, 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 the step Bible process. And the 12, yeah. And the 12 steps. 
in, in the article that you read, <clears throat> he alludes to the, to to the idea that sometimes preference. My interpretation of what you read that pre- that preference would allude to the easier, softer way. Sometimes, if I can see a way out, I'll take that. I would prefer to take the easier way. And I was thinking about this in relationship to Jesus in the garden. And we know and believe as, as believers that, that Jesus was fully God and fully man. And that his humanism in the garden preferred that the cup pass from him. Um, but his obedience demanded that not nevertheless not my will father but yours be done and so here's an example for us to follow that that you know if Jesus is our example we too are going to be faced with things that sure we would prefer that it didn't go that way but conviction would say but you know what we're going to we're going to face this head on and we're going to do it yeah. We're gonna we're gonna go through it. We know the consequences. We know this is gonna be the unpopular vote. We know that we're gonna get, you know, bashed for it or 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 whatever. And yet we're gonna stand our ground, stand for the truth, and we're gonna forge ahead anyway. Right. And um, th- we can apply that to our recovery. We can apply that to heck. We can apply it to all sorts of things: political views, um, uh, issues of faith. Um, you know, uh, uh, there are things that we. Pre- I would prefer that I never have a disagreement with anybody, but <laughs> my convictions aren't going to allow that to happen, right? Because I know I need to stand for what's true, and what I I am convicted is what is true. So interesting topic, brother. Um, I don't know. I guess my question to the listeners is. Are you willing to stand for your convictions, even though you would prefer not to have to sometimes? I know I there's I would. Uh, I guess it's just a matter of priorities. Right. You know. Well, there you go. And there you are. And there you are. So uh, we will have another show next week. We will talk. I don't know. You want to talk about powerlessness next week? Well, we can. Yeah, because you had brought that up, and you put powerlessness question mark. Well, it's and the question mark is, are we powerless or are we not powerless? Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, because every time I look at the word powerless, yeah, um, you know, a couple things happen, right? I think about um, – being powerless over that first drug or that first drink sure. or behavior or whatever that gets me down that road. Right. I, that I, I can be powerless over that. But at the same time, is like uh, I'm not powerless over making the decision to do something different. Right. Um, as, as, uh, as human beings and as uh, people in recovery, we're not powerless over um, the ability to do something different. Because if we sit around, I mean, you we can get caught up in this powerless, 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 right? Because right, right, right. the first right. thing that people get into, and I got into this too, is like, I'm not powerless. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, my I got stuck uh, in, I think. Well, I mean, 
God worked it out the way that he was that it was meant to be worked out. But I feel that I uh, I got stuck in that because when it came to um, the word powerless, uh, I also kind of correlated that to control. So I'm not going mm. to um, give up control or let anybody else control me. Yeah, I'm not powerless. You know, I I had the 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 thought in my head is like I can quit. Like addiction is nothing where uh, it, it's a choice, right? Because that's what I used to think. Is it, right? You thought, you thought it's it was a, a choice, choice yeah. which it is. But I it is, but is it kind of thing, right? Well, yeah, yeah. That was that came later on yeah. the road. When I make the choice to start down that road, um, that's my choice, mm-hmm. right? But after a while, the choice goes away because right. my body chemistry has now changed to. It needs that chemical in order to function. It's interesting because even in, and we'll touch on this next week, but even in the recovery literature, both Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous, you will read things like he or she lost the power in choice. So that would suggest that they once had the power in choice right? because we've lost it. So before I ever took a drink, and I, I remember it vividly, I made a decision. I made a choice to get into my dad's liquor cabinet. You had the power. I had the power at that time. I did, unbeknownst to me, I had a genetic disposition that once the alcohol entered my body, something happened that doesn't always happen to people. And But I didn't know that. But before that, I'm standing there and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I think I'm going to have some of this. And I did. Yeah. Well, and I, and I also part of what I was my thought process was is um, if I admit that I'm powerless, that means that I'm giving over control of my life to somebody else. Mm-hmm. When that happened in in the past, um, I my I really didn't have a choice, right? When you're right. when you're a kid growing up, there's other people that basically control you. They have the power. Go here, go there, do this, do that, you know? Okay. So how do you want to pose this question? To the to, to Powerless or not? I don't know. What are you powerless over? Are you powerless? Mm. I mean, keep it simple. Powerless or not? Question. Powerless mark. or not? Ooh. All right. We'll post that up right away, and we'll give it a whole week and see what happens. I got a hunch we're going to get a lot of different opinions on that oh, one. Sure. Yeah. All right. So our closing song this week uh, is by Keith Green, who is no longer with us. He is with the Lord these days. Um, and uh, you can visit his website at lastdaysministries.org and get all of his music there. And this simply asks the question, how can they live without Jesus?
his song, How Can They Live Without Jesus? For more at Keith's music, visit www.lastdaysministries.org. Until next time, this is the Monty Man, along with Dave Fleming, reminding you that you are entitled to overcome. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.